Thank you for joining us wherever you are. This podcast episode is brought to you by The Old Ways Actual Play Team. This actual play uses the 7th edition Call of Cthulhu tabletop role-playing game rules by Chaos. This actual play is performed by adults and in an adult setting. While we try very hard to stick to language for all ages, listeners should know that this podcast may include mature themes. All content, including names, places, events, companies, and etc., that may bear resemblance to entities living or dead, is strictly coincidental. My name is Michael Diamond, and for tonight's game, I will be your keeper. Thank you for joining us for another episode of the Old Ways Podcast. I'm your keeper, Keeper Michael, and we rejoin the Masks of Nyarlathotep crew in the England chapter. And we're going to go around into the table and do some introductions. So to my right. It's Lonnie. I'm playing Lawrence Edward Oliver Forsyth. And uh, we're contemplating murder or break-ins. Hmm. So it's like a, an A or B choice? or Well, I mean, that's that's the idea. But, you know, it, it, you can do a little from column A, a little from column B. It's... Sounds fair. To uh, Lawrence is right. This is Morgan. I play Lillian Lane, and um, there was a whole lot of stuff happening last episode. Yeah, no, it was um, it was a little, little fleshy, maybe, maybe a little too fleshy for Lillian's taste. Just a little, <laughs> just a bit. At the end of the table. This is Jake. I'll be playing Jack Doyle, and we are in no way contemplating uh, burglary or murder. No way. In no way. Okay. Good to get it directly from the detective to uh, Jake's right. This is James. Uh, of course, we're playing Dr. Sigmund Tartenbach, and he is going to be sore in the morning. Yes, 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 you will. To the doctor's right. This is Tiffany, and I play Maeve O'Shea, and I has the sad. Yeah, the unfortunate events of last episode have given you the sad, which is totally understandable. Uh, and last but most certainly not least. Uh, this is Alex. I'll be playing Smogonger, and uh, I enjoy watching the ships roll in and away again. So last game, we dealt with the unfortunate scene at the estate. And as we're kind of sifting through the pieces, the after effects of it, it's been made clear by two of the investigators who were there, Miss Lane and the good doctor, that they are going to do the right thing and uh, they are going to bury Mr. O'Shea, Neil, uh, in the space outside. Even Samantha, who came with you to the house, does her best to assist with the the burial. And while there is no formal mausoleum or plot on this uh, estate that you can find, the earth from all of the rain recently is relatively soft enough to make the digging not completely unbearable, but shouldn't go without saying, Lillian, that you are doing the yeoman's work in this regard. I've got the muscles. You do. <laughs> uh, doctor, do me a favor and make me a medicine roll. 54 under 82, sir. That is a success. As you are probably in the second hour or so kind of preparing the the body, as it were, to, to be lowered in or to be laid in as you don't have a formal like winch and harness you notice that there is something awfully strange about this body. Well, after what has happened over the last day or so, I mean, that's a pretty broad spectrum for me, but I'm, uh, he's <laughs> definitely curious and is going to investigate further. It almost seems like the body has 
quite a bit of wrinkled skin. And not in the sense that Neil is old. He is an older gentleman. He's probably in his late 40s. But it, it seems like his skin has retained almost that after-bath wrinkle. But not just on the unders of the palms and feet. Um, but it's even on areas of his neck and chest as well. Hmm. Curious. Kind of... While she's digging and not paying particular attention, I investigate even further. Well, his skull cap is soft as well, which doesn't make any sense to you either. Because or Neil like, is a grown man, his skull would be, you know, long past hardened. So he's exhibiting traits of a newborn? It seems that way, yeah. As morbid as it seems, I test the flexibility of his forearm. Because if he's exhibiting signs like a newborn, then his bone would be a lot more cartilage than it is bone. It's not just his forearm that does that. It's the lower parts of his leg that do that too. Mm. Like there's way too much flexibility for a man in his lower legs. Mm -hmm. He almost has a cadaver quality to it. I look him over for, he's an older gentleman, correct? Yeah, again, probably late 40s. Okay, well by 40 years old you would have scars. Mm Mm-hmm. I look him over for any scars. Yeah, there's not a single birthmark. I mean, depending upon how personal you're getting. There's, I mean, you're a doctor, so it's immaterial. I'm a there's no such thing as yeah, too personal. Plus, he's dead, so. Right. Yeah, no, you don't see any birthmarks. You don't see any scars. You don't even see any um, you know, dry skin, common rub points for joints. There's nothing like that. Okay. Uh, I check his teeth. Are they all there? No fillings? No, there's no fillings in his teeth. And the teeth aren't even very well worn. Mm, they're pointed. Uh, more more jagged than they should be, essentially. Like they haven't been ground down. Yeah, the back molars are what give it away. Okay, at this point, if Lillian is noticing me, the doctor is literally fluttering around the body and muttering to himself in German. Can I notice him at that point? It's hard not to. Doctor, what are you doing? I, uh, look at his... Uh, I look closely at his fingerprints on both hands. Are they fully set or are they fractured like uh, babies would be? Palms of his hand, if you kind of push the wrinkled, damp skin, you know, that moist skin, if you push it taut enough, mm-hmm. you can tell that there's maybe just a few lines have formed. Mm-hmm. No wear lines. No, no real wear lines. Okay. Then at this point, the doc stands up and stands away from the body. His face is just shock and awe. I drop the, the shovel that I have, and I kind of, like, wipe probably dirt across my forehead. And I'm sweating, and doctor, what what seems to be the problem? Lillian, Lillian, come here. You must see what I have found. Look. Look here. I, I wander over and... Mike, just for visual purposes, is Mr. O'Shea, is he, like, in the buff, or is he wearing clothes? Oh, you mean, like, was he clothed when he came out? Right, right. Yeah, yeah. he was clothed when he came out. Okay. Ah, then there's one more thing I'm checking, Mike, and I think Lillian... Actually, I let Lillian do it. I let Lillian do it. I just stand and see where she's going with it. Uh, No, I was just making sure that he was clothed and stuff like that. Oh, okay. Well, then... Personal effects. I I mean, is it, if I look in the pockets or anything, just 
for is there any personal effects in any of them, Mike? No. No? Okay. Then gotcha. the last check, and I make sure Lillian is watching, I lift his shirt and look where the belly button should be. What belly button? There you go. These... I look closer and I'm like, that is Did... just odd. No, it is not odd. This is not her fa- this is not her father. But then who is it or what is it? It it is um uh, homunculus or a uh, oh, what what is what is the word um like a, cl- a well, like I, a twin uh, okay like a twin um but born much later. Uh, look look here look at this the, the teeth they are wrong the the bones they are wrong and he, look he has no blemishes. There's no liver spots. He's 40 years old. There should be scars. There are no scars here. And look, look, look at his follicles. It, this is, he stands up and brushes his hands off. I am quite certain of it. This is not her father. But how did he age so fast if he... Uh, don't you understand? He was born this old. It would be a... Well, it, like, scientifically, would, I don't understand that, obviously. <laughs> Uh, but, uh, the doctor is kind of walking in a circle around Lillian. It would be like if I took a sample of your blood and I grew a new Lillian that was your age right now. But that's not even possible. I mean, I know we've seen so many weird things, but the it's doc not just gesticulates wildly at the walls. So we're outside. We're outside. It's okay. <laughs> or like at the at the fleshy the fleshy bits. Oh. Wow. Well, we should probably bury whoever this is anyways, and then let Maeve know post-haste of our, your findings. Absolutely. Yes, let's finish burying well, whatever this is. The hole is ready. <laughs> it's ready. <laughs> um, so you finish burying uh, the body and cover it up, and then the two of you abscond back off to the hotel um, Samantha rides the tube with you uh, long enough to get out at uh, near her home. She thanks the both of you for the experience. She hopes that Maeve finds whatever she's looking for. And she also hopes that uh, you both stay safe. There's definitely trepidation in her voice. I wish her well and thank her for her assistance. She smiles. The same. And then leaves. Because we're all wondering at this point, um, Miss O'Shea, your feet have propelled you forward to return to the doorstep of one Lord Walters. And it must be midnight or 1 a.m. by the time you get there. But you stand in front of the spiritual society again. And even though the death of your father still hangs pretty heavily on your shoulders, you decided that this was where you needed to be. There's no lights on, correct? No, the house is very dark, as would be expected at this time. Right. Um, I'm going to try the door. Like, to see if it's unlocked. It is not. I will then uh, ring the bell. You hear a distant bell inside the house. Several moments pass after the echoes of that bell still run through the halls and through the stonework. Of the house, you hear a voice from the other side of the door. Who, who is it? It's Maeve. Oh, God's child. The door opens. You see Lord Walters in a, you know, basically in his sleeping gown. <laughs> oh, it's it's uh, very late, uh, 
child. What, 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 what can I do for you? I'm, I'm sorry. I, if I can just um, go to the library, I won't be a bother. Oh, um, come in. Yes, of course. He steps away and lets you inside. I will go in and start walking towards the uh, library. You find the library just as it was. You have to turn the oil lamps on and get some light in here. I will probably look over my notes and then that I collected and put the book down that I got and probably sit on the couch because you know, I'm sure there's like other seating in there too and stare at the book for a while. And then probably after a while uh, look at the book and see if I can find other books that cross-reference it probably until I pass out. So You probably thumb through five or six different tomes just off the top of your head for the next hour or two. Um, there aren't a whole lot of references to this book, although uh, there is one that deals with some of the symbology that you see in the book uh, that you're the, this loose journal book that your father had there at the, at the house. And on one of those pages, you see the same symbol that you see on one of the pages in your father's journal, that circle with what looks like it has multiple stars inside of it. And uh, they talk about it being a, uh, a great seal, some sort of mystical incantation, much like the seal of Solomon is to occultic practices. This is something that is even more powerful uh, in its ability to hold mystical energy. And it's probably three, four o'clock in the morning um, before your body gives in to the stress, the emotions, and the, the fatigue. Yeah, and I'll probably just lay on the couch and uh, sleep there for a while. Okay. So we will fast forward just slightly to very early in the morning. Mr. Granger, you are going to a shipping office, yes? Yawn and stretch, let the back crack a bit. I'm still on these docks. Poke my head out from behind whatever I was... I think I was on uh, scaffolding? You were on scaffolding, yes. I'll poke my head over the edge, see if anybody's down there. The... Folks from the shipping offices that are, I should say, that the rest of the docks is beginning to wake up. Yeah. There are people milling about. You also see that two or three of the same gentlemen that were watching the boat last night are still here watching the boat. Hmm. So are those warehouse people or do they look like they're, like, are they crew? Well, you said that the crew looked uh, East Asian, right? Yeah. These look like crew. They don't look like dock workers at all. Okay. Are they armed? Not that you see. Okay. Um, I will uh, note that I'm guessing that the warehouse is probably up and moving as well. Uh, it does seem to be, yeah. All right. Kind of squint and try to remember which direction the uh, registry, which yep. their office is in, whichever direction that is. So it's on Fenchurch Street, which would be for you would be to the west. Okay. So, Is it near the docks or is it like... Near is relative, right? So it's probably a good 
15 or so minute walk down the street. You have to get west of the docks mm-hmm. before you get to the main like, city of London area. All right, because I'm in Lime, Limehouse. You are. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right, then I will begin making my way uh, that way. On the way there, I'm hoping to pick up um, a bag of chocolates, like cut chocolate, like a pound. Mm-hmm. Hoping that maybe there's a grocer or a candy shop on the way there that might be opening. Yeah, and better yet, it's Limehouse, so there's all sorts of oriental shops. Excellent. Tons of stuff. Chocolate's relatively easy to get a hold of. Yeah, let's get a paper bag, fill it. So I will walk with that. I will chew one on the way. Lloyd's Registry is a, what looks like three-floor building, stone, beautiful edifice. Uh, it's got really nice-looking Grecian-style columns on the front of it. There are what appear to be three flags on the second floor of the building stretch out. You can see that the top of this building, too, must have some sort of um, either additional apartment on top of it or some sort of maybe penthouse offices. Uh, It's a very nice-looking building. Okay. Um, I will straighten my coat and make sure that, uh, you know, correct my hat. and The doors are open, so. All right. I, I stroll in. Yeah, the first floor of this office looks much like a uh, almost a bank in the sense that there are booths and then there are also the teller lines with uh, gentlemen that have books and they're taking information and paperwork from people who stand in line. There's lots of queuing. Sure. So that looks like where their intake is. I'm looking for, I guess, departures. I'm going to stand and just kind of watch how the place works. Mm-hmm. If I wanted to learn more about the uh, Ivory Wind, you'd probably go to one of the gentlemen in accounting that's to the right. Okay. They have like voluminous tomes behind them. Ah, yes. Those those are the people that I need to be speaking to. Okay. Okay. Yeah. The uh, the tellers there are more than happy to as- assist you. Great. They ask base in basis. They ask what information you're looking for. Who is the uh, captain of the ship? Oh, sure. The. Uh, gentleman behind the desk that uh, is deci- has decided that he will be the person helping you. Great. Goes to a series of books and then he looks up the registry and says that it is uh, captained by a gentleman named Lars Torvak. That name hasn't really... I, I, don't, I don't remember. Any, okay. Never heard of it before in your life. <laughs> I note it. All right. New, new, new name. What could you tell me about... Uh... Perhaps where it is from or where it is going? Oh, um, seems it's registered uh, out of China. And uh, the route here that uh, Captain's put in is uh, Marseille, Malta, Port Said, Aden, Bombay, Singapore, and Shanghai. Looks like anywhere between six weeks to three months. Depends on the winds, of course. So it's from Ch- it's from China. Mm-hmm. And it's le- when it leaves here... It's passing through a bunch of places and ending in China. Yep. Okay. That sounds like a really long trip. Mm-hmm. All right. I mean, it's a, he tells you that it's an older merchantman vessel. Mm-hmm. It's general cargo. It's a, it's a freighter. That's how it makes its money. It, uh, he says, uh, oh, listed here, it says it's up to seven, 7,000 tons of displacement. 7,000 tons on board? Uh, uh, yes, sir. It could take up to that. Would you like me to 
write you a, a letter of contact? Are you looking to get something shipped? Uh, perhaps I'm uh, doing some research for some people that uh, might need to move something in the near future. You d- I suppose you don't uh, know when it will be leaving? Yes, it seems uh, it's to leave in five days. I'm just thinking to myself, calendar-wise, like, there's no, like, holidays coming. Is it, like, a weekend? Nope. Uh, so it's it's neither. It is Tuesday, February 3rd. And so it is slated leave the 8th. So it should leave port on uh, on Sunday, next Sunday. I will um, give the, uh, the teller a pretty broad smile. I appreciate your assistance. Uh, perhaps we will be back to uh, register a shipment. Of course, sir. Thank you. Next. I make my exit. Following that, um, I will... It's still pretty early. So the church where the boys were staying mm-hmm. was relatively close as well. I would like to make yeah. my way there. It's just up the street. Yeah. Uh, so it's at St. Paul's. St. Paul's, not too far from there. And you're seeking to speak with the church elder or the father. So when I walk up, I was going to see whether or not any of the the brat pack that I met is lingering around here. <laughs> Yeah, there are a couple of, of the uh, young scrapping gentlemen. Do any more of them have shoes? Uh, yes, quite a few. Excellent. I'll give them a nod as I approach the church and go through the front entrance. It's, it's a pretty large church, so. And I'm looking for looking for a hat. Uh, what is it? What's the collar called? You're looking for a white collar. Yes. Not a white, not a white collar criminal. That's different. N- no. We're looking for those two. We're, we're... Yeah. Well, that's different. <laughs> You find a member of the priesthood. Good morning, my son. How can I help you? Good morning, uh, Father. I was hoping to uh, speak with you about a, uh, a matter of personal concern. Of course. He looks concerned. I'll like gesture to the pew, whatever the nearby pew is, and I'll sit down. He sits down with you. You'll have to pardon me, but uh, if you have taken confession from any of your boys outside... It would not be a, a leap to figure out who I am. Hmm. I'll, I'll look at him and see if it registers at all. Uh, it, it doesn't seem to. Okay. I have taken an interest in uh, ensuring their success in uh, life. All right. And it is my understanding that uh, they are essentially in the care of the church and the orphanage, no? This is true. Father Barton deals with most of it. Well, uh, the reason I wanted to speak with you... Uh, is because I was hoping that uh, it would be possible to get access to your sanctuary for uh, a few hours. Access? Um, what What do you mean by access? Well, as I said, uh, I am currently dealing with a matter of uh, personal concern, and while I do not wish to bring uh, any tension to your church, it is important that... Uh, I have a safe place to speak with very close friends of mine. Uh, the, these walls will always be safe harbor to all those who hold God's word in their hearts. But uh, if we need to speak at length, we cannot necessarily linger in the pews. Which is why I was hoping to have a uh, sit down with them in private. He looks up kind of behind the pew set into the gallery above and says, no one should bother you up there for an hour or so if you're, you have the need. And of course, uh, do not uh, think this is necessarily a bribe, but uh, I do intend to continue investing in the future of those boys. 
Oh, that's wonderful. Charity is part of God's work. Please ensure that they are uh, well tended too. Of course. Yes, I'll pass on your message with uh, Father Barton. He'll he'll understand, I'm sure. Well, my uh, if I have my way, uh, a group of uh, obvious, possibly uh, <laughs> confused individuals will be coming. Uh, if you could, uh, when they do arrive, let them know that we will be uh, up there. Of course. I must... Uh, contact them, but I will be back soon. I uh, appreciate your discussion, Father. Go with God, my son. He uh, offers you kind of a small thank you for your assistance with the uh, the children outside, and and then rises to meet uh, another member of the flock who walks in. I will inspect the area that he indicated before I go, just to make sure that, like, from this position, we could pretty much see the entire church, right? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Are there any doors or is it just like an upstairs kind of a, like a balcony? It's basically an upper balcony. Okay. Uh, where there are two doors, one, well, three doors technically, but they all lead down to staircases. So if you were to position yourself like to the extreme right or to the extreme left, you would only have one staircase door to deal with. Like if you're speaking of it basically like tactically. Sure. And if you kept your voice slow up here, it would be pretty difficult in this size of a church to hear somebody talking up there. So this is kind of like a choir balcony? Yeah, pretty much. Okay. Um, all right. Yeah, then I'll uh, eyeball the access. If I if I like the stairwell and like kind of where the door is, if there's places to sit, I'll see if there's a few chairs I can wrangle and I'll set them up and then I will make my exit. Okay. I'm going to a phone box. All right. I'll get back to you in a minute. Yep. Miss O'Shea, you are awoken an indeterminable amount of time later from the lands beyond the wall of sleep by Lord Walters. Oh, I will, uh, sit up. You seem to have fallen asleep, my dear. Are you all right? Um, yeah, um, I'm just trying to figure out where my, um, father left off. I know, unfortunately, only a little about what he was truly deciding to do. I know that he'd He'd sought many different solutions for trying to deal with the troubles that your mother had. Yeah, I found his papers. Hmm. And him. Oh, no. I'm sorry to hear that. She starts crying. Lord Walters is um, fortunately not a very emotionally invested man, and so he kind of puts his hand on your shoulder and pats you a bit just because it's the best he can do after you get out what you need to get out. He uh, says, why don't you let me make you a cup of tea? But might I suggest you go and get some real sleep? I don't... The solutions you're looking for, you can't find at the ragged edge of where you're at. I tell all students this. You can only read so much. You can only learn so much at a time before your brain just won't accept anymore. It needs rest. And your doctor friend, wherever he is, would probably tell you the same. Yes. I'm I'm sure you're right. I'm just not sure I'm ready to face them. But I do need to sleep. Thank you for letting me disturb you last night. I am sorry. No. It's quite all right. It's quite all right. Um, do you want me to have um, someone chauffeur you to the hotel so you don't have to walk or take the tube? It's the least I could do. Oh, that would be great. Thank you. Okay. They get you back to the Waldorf. For Lillian and Sigmund, it 
it's a pretty strange night. It isn't the strangest night probably they've had, but it's got to be up there. Top five, right? Uh, among them, yeah. When you get in late at night, you grab a few hours of sleep, and it, it, it's probably around seven o'clock or so, Lillian, when the door to your room opens, and you see a equally tired Maeve walk in and probably collapse onto the bed. I um, sit up and look at her, and Maeve, uh, are, you, are you okay? Yeah, I'm just tired. I think the doctor and I need to have a conversation with you when you're when you're ready and rested. Okay. I need to sleep. I totally understand. Um, I then leave her alone, and I, th- I think at that point I'm awake too. So I get up and I go into the the bathroom to to bathe and whatnot. A little bit more time passes, and Jack and Lawrence probably find their feet for the morning still having dealt with what happened last night uh, beyond the three arches of the Blue Pyramid Club. And uh, Jack, you get a message that comes up from the um, front desk. Uh, okay, what's the uh, message say? The message says, uh, how long has it been since your last confession, Paul? 1,230 minutes. Rang Thumbhall. That's what it's signed as. It's a very strange message, but it's I can only assume it is coded message. It seems that way. I will uh, go through, figure out the uh, what it's telling me and follow the instructions. Obviously, I have to go to a church. Um, you're fairly intelligent. The way the message is signed, that Brian Thumbhall, it almost seems to bleed together. Mm-hmm. Almost as if it's like written to be spoken with an accent. Give me an idea roll. Okay. Extreme success, 472. All right, it's pretty easy to suss that out. That message says bring them all. Okay. And it also probably conveys to you who the message is from. Yeah. Okay, so I will go and look and see about pulling together as many people as I can. Yeah, I mean, Lawrence is up and awake, probably with the uh, the door knocking with the uh, message being left. And... Uh, the man from service uh, asks if you'd like your regular, because they, they have been caring for you since, you know, bringing up breakfast. Yes, that'd be uh, wonderful. Is the rest of my party here, do you know? We did see uh, one member of your party come in just a few, just maybe an hour ago or so. And um, Miss Lane, she and um, the doctor, I believe he is, he, they came in rather late, but they they came in maybe um, half half two, maybe three. Okay, very good. Thank you very much. So while I await my breakfast, I will go and uh, rap upon their chamber doors. Uh, Lillian, you're just getting out of the bath, and you're quietly kind of moving about the room so that way you don't wake anybody up. Maeve seems to be just dead to the world, totally passed out. There comes a, a rap at your chamber door. I'm probably in a robe and towel in my hair, and I um, open the door and peek out. Jack? Miss Lane? Samoa would like to uh, meet with us at 1230. Did he say what it was about? No, but I'm sure he's uh, found some information about any number of things we've been looking into. Okay. 
I can ask Maeve if she wants to come, but honestly, I have this feeling she's probably going to want to stay behind. But I will... Uh, what, ti- what time is it right now, Mike? It's just after eight. She just came in an hour ago, so I'd like to give her a couple more hours to sleep at least. Yeah, no problem. Uh, we have time. Okay. Do you have food brought up or... Yeah, I'm having food brought up. Okay. Um, I will be out in a little bit. Common area. Mr. Forsyth, the morning paper is all collected with uh, strange stories. There was evidently a, a rainstorm last night at some point, and the fog got so bad that they found a woman collapsed near the docks. Dead or collapsed? Collapsed. She survived, but uh, she was taken to the to hospital. I process this. I take the part of the paper that deals with the socialites and, and such forth and uh, spread that on the bed and start checking my firearms. One article that does catch your eye, Calvin Coolidge signed into law an airmail bill known as the Kelly Air Mail Act, uh, which evidently, as the article continues, has relieved the, the government of the responsibility for airmail. And there are various opinions on this and whatnot. Well, in its own way, I guess that's a good thing. It will allow people to move packages in freedom like they should. Sure. Jack, you come back into a Lawrence preparing for evidently uh, sieging Germany. Well, as usual. (laughs) Hey, is there anything in the paper about uh, that uh, nobleman uh, and the whole uh, heir of the fortune? Are you looking for the story, Jack? Yeah. I want to know what happens. There was a uh, report about a woman found on the docks last night in some distress. Taken to the hospital. Hmm. No name given. Was it a, a mugging or? No further details given. Right. Well, while I'm waiting, is there anything else in the paper? Yeah. I mean, it's a London paper. It's probably t- full of things. Well, I mean, anything eye-catching? No, not especially. So what we'll do is we'll say Jack and Lawrence have breakfast and Jack, you going to give her maybe until 10 or 1030 before you go rustle her feathers? Yes. So a few hours pass. It's at that point, Miss Lane, that Mr. Doyle appears in your doorway again. This time you are fully clothed, I imagine, or maybe not. Who knows? Whatever. So, yeah, I'm in pants and a, and a shirt, you know, something to go to do whatever Simone has in mind. And uh, I open the door. Jack, is it time? Yeah, it's time. Is the doctor around? Oh, he's uh, still asleep, as if nobody has woken him. Okay, um, I will work on getting um, Maeve up if you would like to go rouse the doctor. Because he was, yeah, obviously, we came in kind of late. We were um, burying a body and such. And then I close the door. At night? Yeah, at night. Well, I'm sure we can talk about that later. So I go to the doctor's room. Okay. Yeah, he's sawing logs. Probably until you knock, so. Doc gets up, uh, I... Enter. God, please come in. Hey, uh, a doc? There's some police officers uh, here. They want to talk to you. Um, well, that's unfortunate. Something about a uh, shallow grave and... I really hope that you're kidding, Jack. 
as he's putting suspenders on and getting ready to throw on some damn track shoes. Uh, <laughs> he kind of chuckles. So I assume you spoke to Miss Lane already? Yeah, briefly. We uh, go ahead and get ready. We're going to meet uh, Simone about 1230 or so. It's almost right. 11. It's getting on 11 now. Wunderbar. If you see Miss O'Shea, you tell her I need to speak to her as quickly as possible, before we leave, if possible. I have extremely important information for her. I'll do so. Don't go shame, Jack. You guys get collected, and um, Lillian, you go to wake Miss O'Shea? Yes. I kneel down next to her bed and kind of gently shake her a little bit. And Maeve. I will crack one eye open. Hey, I, I know you haven't had a whole lot of sleep. Um, We've been um, called to appear before um, Simone um, at 12.30 for something. Um, did you want to stay here or did you want to come with? I have no desire to go. Before you say that, um, stay put. I'll be right back. I go rushing out of the room and I go down to uh, doctor's room and knock on the door. Yeah, come in, come in. I poke my head in. Doctor. Yeah. Um, I think we need to speak with Maeve. I, I just woke her up. Um, I, oh, is she available? I, absolutely. She is. She's okay. in bed, but yeah, I mean, she's available. She's going to want to hear this. Yeah. I know. I know. Okay. He gets up with some effort and favoring his hip, grabs his cane and escorts Miss Lane back to her room. <laughs> I, I offer him my arm to lean on. After after even helping to dig a grave, he gladly takes it. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so we get back to the room. Maeve, are you still kind of awake? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. She's probably sitting on the end of her bed. Okay. Um, I think you want to hear what the doctor has to say. Maeve, I... How do I... A few years ago, I attended a lecture from a physician known as Hans Spielmann. Um, Spielmann. Yeah, yeah, Spielmann. He proposed... I will cut out all of the medical jargon, but he proposed the concept of creatures being born that are duplicates of the original parent. This may not make a lot of sense, but it will in a moment. Liebchen, I know that after you left last night, you were devastated at the loss of your father. And I understand that, but I have amazing news that you have to trust me and believe. Okay? That mm -hmm. was not your father. I'm pretty sure I know what my father looks like. Believe me, I understand what you saw looked exactly like your father. And in a way, it's because it was. But it was not your father as you know him. That was a duplicate, a, a homunculus. You know the, 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 the concepts of the simicrelium, perhaps? A, a creation using mystical powers, uh, like, like alchemy. Mm -hmm. Listen, I did a thorough, exa thorough examination of the body last night. The teeth, they were brand new. The bones, they were like an infant bone. They were not set in stone. They were, uh, you know, as it were. 
there were no scars. There were no marks on his body. He was 40 plus years old and there was no marks on his body anywhere. His skin was loose as if it had been in amniotic fluids. I'm telling you, Liebchen, and you have to believe me, okay? If you have ever believed anything I have said to you before, this was not your father. Well, then that just confirms that he's lost in the dreaming world that he went to. And he probably made that body so that he could come back. Yeah, but lost is not gone. According to his notes, which means he's still lost and he might as well be dead. Hmm. Do not give up hope. Lost is not gone. Lost is just misplaced. There are ways and things in this world that I have never experienced before. Believe me, I think we should have some faith. Well, I have faith that I will try and find a way, but... And I am telling you that we will help you find a way, if it is possible, but not to give up hope. Then he pats her on the leg and said, stands up. Now, come with me, Liebchen, before we leave to go downstairs. I have gotten you a gift. A gift? Yeah. I'm not going to the church, but I will come with you. All right, come on. Okay, you guys um, head over. Where, where do you have it stowed at? Uh, in my room next to my bed. Okay. I do not go with them. I go to meet with Jack and Mr. Forsythe. You're going in the same direction, but yeah. Yeah, I, I figure that's a private moment. That's not something I need to be involved in. <laughs> yeah, I take her into into the doctor's room, and, or he takes her into the doctor's room, and taps a large, brand new steamer trunk with his cane. If we are going to be traveling, and you are going to be collecting our entire library, I think that bag might not do it anymore. So, <laughs> I have got you this. Boom, boom. This is for you to carry all of your stuff, all of your books. And I was thinking perhaps we talk to Jack and maybe make, uh, what do they say, the false bottom? Mm. And we could hide things if we need to hide them. Yeah. That sounds like a good idea. I mean, yeah, there are a few books that I don't need to have with me all the time. Yeah, I'm thinking about your spine. <laughs> well, thank you. Now, you, if you're not going to, the going to the church, you should rest, have maybe a bite to eat, get your wits about you. Hmm? Yes, I need to sleep more so that I can go study. Indeed, doctor's orders. And I would go accompany the rest of them in order to make sure that they do not, you know, kill themselves or something like. So the group collectively, minus Maeve, is going to head to St. Paul's, yes? So we will move our camera to St. Paul's. Uh, there is one piece of prep that I wanted to do before I got there. I uh, was going to take the bag of chocolates that I bought on my way back after sending the message and uh, visit in with the the squad, if you will. Okay. Well, uh, good morning, boys. Good morning. I'm expecting that uh, there will be some of my friends coming very soon. And uh, I want to make sure that... Uh, our conversation is kept relatively private. So uh, I'll like drop the bag on whatever nearby surface there happens to be and let it kind of open and spill a bit. Let the, let the, sh let the feeding frenzy begin. And I'll, you know, definitely like 
I'm not going to let them add it yet. But uh, once they are live, uh, I'll need some eyes out here to make sure that they are not being followed by any strangers or people that look uh, more interested in the church than uh, you would expect. Of course, sir. I like kind of look at the bag and just turn around. Yeah. (laughs) And Uh, and I just hang out upstairs. 1230 rolls around and you are joined ever so slightly one by one by uh, 95% of your compatriots. For the rest of you, St. Paul's is a huge church if you've never been in or near it in the London area. And the space that it has in the upper sections of the church are pretty dramatic. It's uh, basically the building is impossible to miss. Uh, It's on almost every map. And there are quite a few people in and around the church center. You see tucked away into kind of a quiet corner in one of these uh, choir areas. Simone. Oh, go take a seat next to him. I probably look pretty haggard. At this point, I'm 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 slouching as much as is like publicly acceptable for me to be doing without being vulgar. Okay. Like I'm pretty relaxed. Tired. So the only person missing is Maeve, right? That's right. Please uh, make yourselves comfortable. Uh, we have about uh, an hour or so to ourselves. I wanted to make sure that we could meet somewhere uh, outside of our normal places of being the uh, the hotel i do not necessarily believe is uh, a safe place anymore considering uh, what will likely end up being uh, gavigan's interest in uh, our patron doc sits down next to jack i am sure that there is much that has gone on uh, between the lot of you and i just wanted to make sure that we had a place to uh, talk about what we have learned and breathe yeah we've learned a few things we learned some stuff too We've seen uh, quite a bit. Uh, the operation is uh, much more complex than I anticipated. The PenU is extremely secure. Whatever they are exporting, they are putting on a ship that is destined for uh, a number of places before ending in uh, China. Don't uh, believe that the uh, captain is, well, particularly uh, employed by the PenU. They are a merchant. When you say China... Whereabouts in China? Shanghai. Look over at Jack. Back at Simone. That is the uh, also Steve. the uh, home port of the ship. And most of the crew seem to be from there as well. At least from what I could see. Ben Yu uh, had a large volume of uh, things to put on board. They are using a warehouse at the uh, Limehouse docks. Hmm. Again, I do, not ne- I do not know if uh, the warehouse is... Owned by Penyu, uh, but uh, the owner's name, uh, Punit, I do not recall his last name, but if I read it, I would see it and I would know it again. I guess the question becomes, uh, what is it you hope to do with, uh, do we care what they are moving? Do we care what, uh, from what I have seen, the, uh, the inside is uh, meticulously mundane. There was nothing unusual on display. I mean, in like the warehouse itself? No, 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 no. In Penhue. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, it's not mundane, but it's everything that you've seen through the rifle scope or the field glass or whatnot has been. Yeah, it's not like a house of horrors. It's like. No, it's just, <laughs> here's here's some Egyptian artifacts. Yeah. 
Well, it's interesting. I wonder what a uh, an Egyptian foundation would be sending to China that has to be shipped out at night. In the middle of the night, uh, via crates that are being moved by a, uh, a shipping service that does not exist. Kind of snort. No. Do you have a name for it? Thelius and Sons. Well, we have some information about the Penhue Foundation. They're uh, connected to this uh, this Blue Pyramid Club and a uh, spice shop that's being run by somebody connected to the uh, Brotherhood of the Black Pharaoh. How much do we know about this Brotherhood of the Black Pharaoh? Well, we believe it's the uh, group responsible for the Egyptian murders. We think that there is a connection between the Egyptian murders, obviously, to the Brotherhood of the Black Pharaoh. The Blue Pyramid Club, that seems obvious. I mean, you know, name, motif, and such. What did you find out there? Well, we didn't find out a lot per se there, but we talked to somebody who works there, and she informed us that the manager, the bartender, and several of the other uh, people that work there are tightly interconnected with the Brotherhood. And that Cavigan has deep connections to the Brotherhood as well. So we were right to be suspicious of the Penhue Foundation. Yeah, I sit up. I look at Jack. So uh, you were able to speak to uh, an employee at this uh, Blue Pyramid that was willing to discuss this uh, Brotherhood? Well, she told us what she knew. She didn't really, she couldn't put all the, uh, the dots together, connect them all together. But she said that the people working there were connected to a brotherhood, that her brother or boyfriend was in trouble, might, be, might even be dead. And she was worried about her own life. How did you come to uh, speak to her? Well, we were, you know, asked questions at uh, the club and she works at the club she must have overheard something. She left us a note, and we met up with her later. This is the information we required. Also, of some interest, apparently once a month or so, they all pile in the cars about the blue, around the new moon, and they drive out of town somewhere. Well, that doesn't that sound like a perfect place for, or a perfect time for a ritual? When you uh, say all of them, uh, who exactly do you mean? Well, everybody she believes that are connected to this brotherhood. Supposedly, she said Cavigan comes to the club, a bunch of them load up into multiple cars, and drive somewhere out of London. So is the entire kit and the caboodle. Mine goodness. When is the next new moon? I mean, I don't have like an almanac, but... February 22nd. So there's some time. That would be... Mm-hmm. You said it's the 5th right now? No, the 3rd. The third, yep. In fact, um, several of the members here would remember the last new moon. Oh, yeah. Coincided with the uh, eclipse. God, it was only a month ago? Wow. Not even. Seems like a year ago. Well, then it sounds like, uh, regardless of what uh, we choose to do, something is coming. Ship is uh, scheduled to depart in uh, about five days. Well, they're on to us. I probably, like, immediately just snap my head around. Well, on to me and Foresight, anyhow. Yeah. We, we were followed after we uh, left. Thunderbar. After you left the uh, Blue Pyramid? 
Yes. Probably stand up and kind of start pacing a little bit. I'm just trying to kind of put together in my head. So if they were at the Blue Pyramid asking about or asking questions that led to this person, you said they had a dead f- brother? Was he a fiance, friend, boyfriend? Boyfriend, yeah, I believe. Boyfriend? I, boyfriend. I don't know I don't know if he's dead or if he just believes he's dead. I will uh stop my pacing kind of in front of slash to the side of Lillian. I don't know if she's sitting or standing. I'm probably leaning against the wall, just listening. All right. I'll probably take I'll take the spot on the wall next to you. Simone. Well you had an uh interesting meeting, did you not? Are you speaking of the Penyu Foundation? Unless there is another more interesting uh, conversation you've had recently. Well, that's a story for another time. (laughs) Um, Really, was not wasn't all that exciting. I I went in and looked at the uh, the artifacts that they had. There really wasn't anything of interest that would kind of stand out to us as in a way of you know something um, occult like. And then uh, I talked to their administrative assistant and asked if we, uh, you know, if there was somebody I could talk to about giving money, you know, because my, or donating money or, or trying to get on an, an expedition to Egypt. And they said that they would call and set up a lunch with me. And I haven't heard from them. And, um, as of yet, and that was all there was to it. There wasn't, wasn't anything super exciting, but based on your current, what I've gathered based on what you've, you and Jack and, and and Lawrence have gotten. I will probably decline meeting them for lunch just at this point. I'm actually going to hold my finger up and, and wag it a bit. Okay. Actually, uh, considering the connection that uh, this man may have to uh, these uh, black fellows, there may be an uh, there may be a card to play there yet. I'll step away from the wall. I believe Jackson Elia knew that we are at essentially a war of sorts. As brilliant as he was, he uh, he died a bit of a fool. Desire to share knowledge with uh, the masses through his books, his writings, put a target on his head by uh, the same people he hoped to expose. Everything he wrote was uh, just another step in the path to his end. Uh, I do not necessarily know what uh, secrets you are hoping to unravel or whether you are here to seek uh, reparations for what these cultists have taken from you, from us. But in many ways, uh, you are his entire legacy. I was kind of gesture to all of them. But uh, I feel that we are doomed to share his fate. Uh, unless we are able to find ways to be better than he was. Uh, in the uh, book that I gave to uh, Miss O'Shea, uh, I kept many notes regarding uh, what I believe Jackson had to do to uh, get the information that he was looking for. Mr. Action, she can only uh, assumed identities, but he exposed himself. This war, those with those that would uh, siphon these powers from dark places, the sacrifices in the name of uh, ancient beings. And we could only hope that uh, death is the worst that would befall any one of us. You have seen, you have had, you've experienced these mental fractures, 
but uh, those secrets are not what put me in your path. Jacques Chaniliadu, Kensington knows that the people that are hiding behind every stone we overturn will waste no time in dispatching any one of us if they think that we pose a threat. And our reach, our resources, our notoriety will inevitably be our undoing, much as it was for Jackson. Which brings me to Miss Lane, who many of these people will see as the most powerful of us, the most visible of us. That is not to say that she requires protection. She is quite capable. She is fearless, resourceful, has influence, access, reach. Actually, Simone, I have had an idea on that front. There are a number of ways we could hope to uh, solve her visibility. I want you to know that I am here to ensure that his legacy is preserved. Your investigation, your lives. I have faith, much as Jacques Saint-Hilaire did, that you will fulfill whatever uh, goals you have in mind. So, uh, as I'm sure the doctor will have ideas, many of us will have ideas. And that is not to say that uh, I blame you, mademoiselle. I only ask that we uh, we not let them take us by surprise. We need to create situations where it is not them with the power, it is not them with the upper hand, it is not them acting with intent. I just raise an eyebrow and nod. The doctor and I discussed an idea quite recently. Doctor, did you want to inform the group of your wonderful idea? <laughs> no, you you go ahead, Lillian. Uh, I have some other things to think about. You 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 will do fine. So the doctor and I um, did discuss exactly what you um, what you were speaking about in such a way, Simone, um, that well, we need a cover story for us for traveling. One, we are a large group, and two, you know, obviously visibility from myself. So the idea was, and I don't, we have not discussed it with Miss O'Shea as of yet, is that Miss O'Shea is a, a singer. So the idea was that I would fund her to travel the world for performances and we would need a medical doctor on staff to you know take care of me and miss o'shea to make sure her voice and she's well we would also need maybe some muscle so jack forsyth you simone um could be party to all that so it, it would kind of give us an excuse as to why the group is like, traveling together instead of hiding our visibility we use it Right. Well, I believe that there is a time for both. I believe that uh, there is no escaping who you are. You should not be afraid to uh, to be who you are. But I believe that choosing when to make yourself visible is a skill that we have yet to master. Doctor, I believe you uh, would probably be best uh, suited to help me express the nature of etiquette and interaction when one is to see, say, a grieving widow walking in public. I will go to my bag and go get a black kind of unflattering top coat and a wide brim hat with a veil, which I will place on like a chair next to Lillian. I look down at the, the clothes and kind of look around at the gentleman. And so you're saying to, di to disguise myself? Only if you wish to walk amongst the uh, public unseen. People do look away from someone in mourning. This is very true. He uh, pats her hand. It is only if you need to escape or need to hide. Otherwise, feel free to shine. Or need to perhaps uh, engage in a clandestine meeting with your friends who you want to keep safe. I'll kind of point to myself. 
I think I can I can be accommodating in that fact. And I, I pick up the hat and the other garments. It's a top coat. It's kind of ill-fitting and non-shapely. I probably already have enough clothes on that I can't put them on at the moment. So for, for now, I hold them. Except the hat. The hat and the veil I can put on. So I, I put those on. <laughs> <laughs> the hat's probably not your style per se, but you think it will work. Well, obviously. <laughs> well, Miss Lane, you look different. Do I look like I'm, do I look like I'm grieving? Do I mean, does, does this, I, I kind of put my hand in front of my face. <laughs> Part of you definitely looks sad. Yes. Got it. I can, I can pull that off. Yeah, that'll, that'll suffice for certain situations. However, I think it's best if Miss Lane spends most of her time as Miss Lane. There's a certain insulation that wealth and prestige gives you. I do not disagree. But that is what I am saying. If uh, if she has to be Miss Lane and be in public as Miss Lane and be in the hotel in which uh, many of her potential adversaries will know where she is, I suppose uh, what I am trying to say is when one comes between the powerful men and their power, depending on the nature of the threat, it could be only a matter of time before they send someone like me to the kitchen where the food of someone like you's food is prepared in order to ensure that it is your last meal. I think what I'm understanding is, is there there's a time and a place just like for any one of us to fly under the the proverbial line because um, there wasn't radar back then uh, so to, to fly under that and I totally understand. I just kind of know. Is there anything else we need to talk about? You said the ship is leaving in five days? We. Oui. Well, and the new moon isn't for another three weeks, two weeks. If we know that uh, at that time there will be many of the uh, potential staff of the uh, the PNU and uh, its director, it could be a good time to uh, create a disturbance and provide an opportunity to perhaps see what is inside. But do we want the whatever's on the ship to go? Well, there is enough time now at this point to potentially investigate both. It is not uh, for me to decide. This is uh, ultimately your investigation. Yeah, we need to uh, decide where we're going to uh, focus our efforts because there are several places and people that need to be investigated. I don't think we should be separating out of different countries. I don't think some people should be getting on a boat and another one on a hot air balloon. Regarding the uh, potential inside track with... uh, Gavigan, perhaps this meeting would prove to be uh, an opportunity to perhaps throw them off your scent. Instead of appearing curious, you can appear sympathetic to their cause. I I think that's a uh, that's a good idea. Well, we actually might have something that might be enticing to them, but that's something I would need to discuss with Maeve. I'm not I'm not saying we should give it to them. I know, nope. I I understand, but it would need to be. Something to be able to show to them, to show that we have it in our pos- I have it in my possession. So, something to be discussed at a uh, at a later time. If that doesn't work with uh, whatever you and Maeve have cooked up, I do know something else that they're interested in that we could get. Okay, I I have not spoken with Maeve. Um, I will I will do that when we go back to the hotel. What are you thinking of the mask? 
I was thinking of the stone. Do we still have the stone? The one we got from the cave in... Yes, uh... yes, that one. No, it's not going to work. Why is that not going to work? Well, it's not Egyptian, for one. Um, well, yeah, but they're shipping, but they're shipping stuff to China, too. So... There is another statue that they want, and I know where it's at. But I'll need Simone's help. I look, I look at Jack. There are something you have in mind? Yeah, I have something in mind. Whatever you guys think is best, but it, I, Simone is right. I should probably bring something to the table they would be interested in. Not to give them, but to say that we ha- I have in my possession. Who knows? Perhaps uh, at some point we can uh, be able to say that we have a uh, bona fide member of the Brotherhood of the Black Pharaoh amongst you. <laughs> at this further than uh, Jackson ever got. <clears throat> and I think um, objectively... On that note, it's a wonderful time to end. So uh, thank you so much for listening. And we'll be back next week with another episode of Masks of Nerlothotep from the Old Ways Podcast. We want to make sure that we thank all of our patrons and uh, and all of our listeners. So uh, we will see you next week. Mm-hmm.